Well, good morning. We're going to see if we can get through this one, this sermon, without the gremlins we had in the first one. That's always lovely. So, just for clarification's point, um, SAGU is Southwestern Assemblies of God University in Waxahachie. Not Waxahachie, Waxahachie. Uh, it's about 45 minutes from here. Uh, if you have a chance, come out this week. We have our district council meeting. There's a service every night that starts at 7. Wednesday night, Pastor Todd will be receiving his ordination. So if you could come out and support him in that, that would be wonderful. So I did help you out there, big guy. So good morning to all. If you have your Bible, your app on your phone, whatever you're using, version, uh, whatever, if you turn to Luke chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 17 through 26. So if you want to put a title and you're putting, uh, you're taking notes and you want to put a title to this sermon, it's called simply Interrupt Me, Please. And in a minute you'll see what I'm talking about. So let us read, starting with verse 17, and I'm reading from the ESV. On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Father God, as we hear your word, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to see, open our minds to receive, open our hearts to receive, Father God, and open our ears to understand. Let your word accomplish what it's sent forth to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, little backdrop on this. There were Pharisees and there were teachers and there were people from Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. All right, the farthest place... From there in that group is Jerusalem. So from where this was happening at to Jerusalem was 85 miles. 85 miles back then they walked. If they were rich, they had a donkey. They rode a donkey. Either way, it's 85 miles. So to walk, it took 30 hours. So that's a day and a half trek. The other one was like 76 hours in Judea. That was about a 26-hour trek. And then the final one was about a... 12 mile, a 12, uh, 12 mile trek, and that took about six hours. So it's not like they went out, hopped in their car, and said, well, we're going to drive up to Cleburne, 
and we're going to go to church. They had, there was a reason they went. Jesus had already been walking throughout the land, performing miracles and teaching and preaching. He had already been out doing his job. And he was drawing crowds. Look at it. There's, there's two kind of crowds that he drew. He drew unbelievers, which were your Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And then he drew believers, which were the people that came from those three towns. So wherever Jesus goes, he draws a crowd. And if you read on down, you read into this, it says that, um, and the power to heal was with him. His, he already had a mission to heal. There was going to be a healing this day. In other words, faith plays a big part in this story. Faith in our lives play a big part as well. Either we have it or we don't. We, all of us are given a measure of faith. What we do with that measure of faith is up to us. We can build on it or we can let it be stagnant. And being stagnant, it's not going to be very usable. One of the biggest problems that us Christians, that we have, right? And this is, this is coming from me. For me. One of the biggest problems we have is we don't like to share the good news about Jesus. We don't like to share. We're too selfish with the gospel at times. Maybe not on purpose. Or we're too embarrassed to introduce Jesus to people. Because we don't want to offend. In today's politically correct society, it is, it is hard for us to say to a particular group in our life, in our culture, that the way you're going is wrong. It's wrong. Because everybody wants to be politically correct. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody. But as Christians, we are drawn, we are called, we are mandated to show them the truth. To tell them about the truth. No matter how it hurts. I heard a story about a man who was taking a course in first aid. He attended the classes, he read the books, and was learning a lot about providing medical aid to those in need. One evening, he told his class he actually had the opportunity to use the first aid and training the week prior. He said, I was sitting in my living room, and I heard a loud crash outside. I walked out on my porch, and I see that a car had hit a big tree. He said, you know, it was pretty bad, but I knew what to do. He said, I sat down on my front step. I put my head between my knees so I wouldn't faint. Some of y'all get that later. He had the medical training, but he refused to use it. The answer that this world needs is Jesus. We have the answer. Are we using it? In this story here, my first point is, people matter more to God than our own personal agenda. Now, for some of us who are set in our ways, and it's a me-first mentality, that's a hard one. You know, it's, it's rough because you're going from what you want to do to what God wants you to do. And there has to be a surrender. In the story, we see that the four guys set aside their plans in hopes that Jesus would heal their friend. In hopes, they had faith that Jesus was going to heal their friend. But all they had to do was get, to, get him to the Master. That's all they had to do. They carried him because he couldn't walk. They lifted him up on the roof in his bed, Studying the, text, studying the text, the bed that they were referring to is like a mattress. Not a big mattress that some of us, you know, sleep on. But a mattress type. Something that is probably three to five inches thick. 
Something that you could pull somebody on the ground behind a donkey and it would comfortably help them make, uh, enjoy the ride. When they got him up on the roof, it was no easy thing because the roof had, had a top on it. They had to tear through the tile and the soil in the, on the roof. Imagine somebody trying to break through your roof. What would you think? Someone said in the first service, well, you're going to pay to fix my roof. But that was faith. They threw consequences to the side because they knew where this man's hope laid. They knew where this man's hope laid. It was Jesus. They said, if I got to redo your roof, good, fine, well and dandy, but I got to get him to Jesus. They lowered him in faith. Lowered him, not them. They lowered him in faith through the hole in the roof to the, in front of Jesus in the crowd. They didn't put him with the crowd. They put him right in front of Jesus, right where the answer was. Jesus is always at the forefront. In this we see that Jesus interrupted his agenda for a ministry opportunity. Jesus stopped what he was doing to deal with this guy, to deal with what he needs. He said, your sins are forgiven you. Out of his faith, his sins were forgiven. The man had faith, but he had no means or transportation to get there. He was paralyzed. For us, when an opportunity to witness or meet a need from somebody arrives, we should do what Jesus did. We should set aside whatever we're doing to meet the need. Have you ever been, have you ever had a need that somebody met for you? Have you ever been somewhere where you needed some help and somebody stopped what they were doing? About three weeks ago, I was heading down 174 home, uh, like I am now. I'm normally by myself for the second service, and I had a blowout. Here's the thing. My spare tire, <laughs> my spare tire was flat too. <laughs> So I do what most, most people try to do. Well, we're going we're gonna to fix it till we can get it fixed. I pulled in. I, ga- I air gassed. I aired up my tire. I went about two miles, and it was flat again. So I had to pull over on the side road, and I had to wait for a tow truck. I counted 75 cars that passed me going either direction. 75 cars. I passed several of them. Several of them that passed me had, you know, Jesus stuff on the back of their windshields. I'm sitting there, not mad, I'm not, because I have air conditioning in my truck. I live in Texas, it's hot. You know, you, we might not be rolling, but we're cool. <laughs> Four flats on a Cadillac, we're still cool, right? <laughs> I might not be doing it, but I look good not doing it. <laughs> I'm sitting there waiting on the tow truck. Tow truck shows up. I'm talking to the guy. The tow truck driver just got out of church. He said, normally I don't answer calls on Sundays. He said, but I answered your call. And he's the only tow truck driver that I called out of 10 that would come help me. So he came. He towed my truck back to where I needed to go in Meridian. Uh, after many a laugh from my side of the family down there because I was stuck on the road. you know. But God made it through. I had someone help me. Now, a flat tire isn't as bad as somebody needing to be healed from par- being paralyzed. It's not as bad as someone who's lost. But he still set time. We should set time to help people who are in need. You never know when you're going to be the person God wants to use to flow through 
to bring somebody into the kingdom. You never know. If we're not willing to be that kind of vessel, then, then we're, we're going to have a hard time living a joyful Christian life. Point number two, people matter more to God than meetings and crowds. We're in a meeting right now. We're a crowd. God loves us. Everyone, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. He loves all of us. But you know what? He loves the people that are not in the fold more than He loves us right now. Because we're saved. We're good. We know what Jesus did. They don't. This is what this message is geared toward. It's not inside the walls. It's geared toward getting us outside the walls. They interrupted a church service. What do you think Jesus was having when He was in His meeting there? They were barbecuing. They were cooking. The ladies, this is what doesn't get talked about a lot. The ladies were doing what ladies did back in that time. The ladies did the cooking. They were washing the feet. They were doing all this. They were doing what ladies do. The guys, what were we doing? We were jawing, chewing the fat, talking about, oh, heaven's a grand thing. And Jesus like, you have no idea. I'm going to straighten you out today. He was having a service. People matter more to God than our structured religion. At times, we can be so structured in our, in our services that we, we, we leave those that aren't used to what we do out. If someone walked through right now, would they feel comfortable? Would they, would they be welcomed here? Yes, I'd like to say yes. I've been in some churches where the answer would be no. Okay? But we're supposed to be receiving. So our structured religion can't become more than what Jesus wants us to become. We were never meant to stay inside. People matter more to God than having a nice, comfortable crowd of people. Is everybody comfortable? Is it too hot in here? Am I the only guy up here cooking like a a, a fatted ham? I'm smoking right now. I'm telling you, about another 10 hours, I'm done. Well, we're all comfortable, right? And that's good and that's fine. What about getting uncomfortable? What about going to someone that is definitely opposite of you and you striking up a conversation and getting to know them? Getting to see where they are. Getting to see where their heart is. Getting to see what their need is. We're called to do that. Another time Jesus got up and left the crowd in the Bible. It was a, in the idling of a healing revival. It was in Luke 19.10. It says, and I'll read it for you, the poor, the needy, will always be with us. The Son of God has come to seek and save the lost. Here's the big thing about a Christian. If you're a born-again Christian and you're a blood-bought, devil-beaten saint of God, then you're good. It ain't about you. It's not about us. It's about what God did on the cross and about the ones that are still there that haven't made it to the cross. Put yourself back. An old preacher told me, from Dallas, North Carolina, an old preacher told me, you got to remember what it was like when you were lost. Go back to the day that Jesus touched you. Sometimes we can be so far advanced that looking back hurts. And we shouldn't let the past rule us, but sometimes we got to go back to our own cross experience. We got to go back. Because sometimes only by going back can God move you forward? Only by remembering where He brought you from, as the Bible says, from the muck and the mire, 
from the pits of hell, from wherever you were, only by going back and remembering where you were and with the miracle God performed in your life, can you help someone else have a miracle in their life? Well, my story's not going to help nobody. Revelation says otherwise. They overcome the enemy by the blood, the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Everybody has a testimony. Everybody. I don't care how young you are. You have a testimony. You have something to say and something to add to the kingdom. People matter more to God than drawing a crowd, even if it's a bunch of Christians. I use the analogy for service was there was a worship concert in Dallas this past weekend. How many people went? Did anybody go here? There's a couple. Yeah. I said, that's good. The rest of us aren't Christians. We didn't go. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that's wonderful. Fellowship is a wonderful thing. God mandates, in my opinion, he mandates fellowship. You cannot make it through this world by trying to be a lone ranger. Ask me, I'm from a small town of 1,500 people. I feel like I'm the lone ranger. But then God showed me, well, your wife's Tonto. So, everybody has a purpose, everybody has a being. That brings us to the quote of the day. If drawing a crowd is more important than reaching the lost, then we are in the wrong business. If the pinnacle, the highlight of your week, and this is a wonderful place to come and fellowship and worship, and the people here do, guys, I love you guys. I may not know all of your names, but I guarantee seeing each and every one of you, and you put a smile on my face because you're here. What we're doing is wonderful. But if we only come here to come in and say, you know what, Jesus rocks, God's in the house, and you know what, bless you, and go have a week, and then you leave, and Monday you, there's nothing changed, what's the point? We're, only fool, we're not fooling nobody but ourselves. Our job is to come on Sunday, my opinion, my illustration. We come on Sunday, we plug into the source. Jesus charges us. The wonderful worship that was experienced this morning, I don't know what happened, between the first service and the second service, somebody turned the amp up. It was the, the worship that we had just now was wonderful. We come into worship, edified, we get built up as a body. And that's for us to go out and reach the lost, to go out to be a witness for God. We come in here on Wednesdays, we fellowship a little more. <clears throat> Excuse me. We fellowship a little more, he gives us a little bump, a little charge. By the time we come back, we should be drained. We should be drained. Everything that God pours in us should be out. Every day when we spend time with God, He's edifying and building us up through His Holy Spirit. At the end of the day, we're supposed to be drained. Oh, wait a minute. The church isn't supposed to be responsible for, for building you up all the time, for, for feeding you. That's our job. We have our, devo- our private devotion. We go in our closet and we re- we. we, we come before God and we commune with God and he gives us our daily mission to do through the Holy Spirit. But we were never meant to just come in here and, and, and do, the, do the ritual, hey, high five, I love Jesus, you love Jesus, and everything's fine. We were to come here to get built up, edified, charged, to go out and preach the gospel, to make disciples, to baptize those in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Point three. People matter more to God than buildings and material concerns. We're in the process of a major build. 
We're adding on to the building. That's wonderful. That's fine. That is God-blessed. The church is growing because the church here at Cleveland, we're, doing, we're stepping out into the community. But if the only reason we're going to church is because it's the biggest church in Johnson County, it's the biggest church in Cleburne, and it has the best facilities, or we're wanting to build that, then that's the wrong, that's the wrong methodology. That's the wrong reason to come to church. Excuse me. Why is that? Jesus is here to the roof off the house. Y'all heard it. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Where's, where's my 90s at? Come on, y'all. Woo-woo. All right. So, yeah, we're, yeah, we're not going to finish that, sister. This is the clean version. We're, they tore the roof off the house. It wasn't about the facility. This is not what we do here in Cleburne is not about this facility. Souls that are being touched through the lens of eternity. If you wear glasses in here, you're going to know where I'm coming from. Every morning we should wake up and we should put on our set of glasses. Glasses that show us Jesus' vision. A set of glasses that that gives us eyes that gaze through eternity. That gaze for everything we do is how does it affect eternity. In the grand scheme of things, in about 20 years, I'm going to be in a box somewhere if Jesus don't come back. What I leave behind and what I've done will have been done. Am I doing it for me? Am I doing it for my family? Or am I doing what Jesus wants me to do? It's about souls. It's not about dollars. It's not about, and we need to do this stuff. I got it. Offering, we need to do, be obedient. We need to receive our offering. We do all that. We're out of obedience. And God uses that to reach the people here in Cleburne. God's using it to reach the people in Meridian. We do that. That's out of obedience. That's where we're standing at. I come. I came to service, check. I prayed, check. I gave my, I gave my offering and tithes, check. All right, I'm a good Christian. And then you go home and you play Mortal Kombat or whatever game's going on now. Yeah, I just dated myself. <laughs> <laughs> or you play Madden, whatever it is now. You know, if you play something that's not eternally driven, then where are you at in your, your walk with Christ? At some point, you're going to meet you're going to meet Jesus on the road if you're Damascus. And he's going to call you from what you're already doing to something a little more extraordinary at some point. The church should not be an institution on a base of operations. To, it should be, not be an institution, but a base of operation to reach the lost. C.T. Studd stated, and this is a quote, Some want to live within the sound of a church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Our job, when I was in the military, we had what we called FOBs, forward operating bases. I stayed out on the road, and the only time I went to a FOB was when we needed to be resupplied, recharged. Those who in the military have been across the pond know what I'm talking about. Same way with church. The church is a FOB. It's a forward operating base. When you're done with supplies and you need to be re-energized, this is where you come. It's not for the weak of heart. It's not for sissies. When you, when you decide to become a Christian, it is not a decision that you should have took very lightly. It is a decision that you should have prayed over. Because Jesus doesn't ask you, okay, here's your fire insurance. You're saved. You're not going to go to hell. And that's all you got to do. That's not what Jesus asks. Jesus says that once you become a Christian, your job is to go out and tell. Tell the whole world. 
The Bible it says Judea, Jerusalem, and all beyond. That is, you tell Cleburne, then you tell Johnson County, then you work on the outside. For families, that's you tell yourself, you tell your family, then your extended family. The Great Commission works. It's, it's, it's a multifaceted <clears throat> diagram that will work in any aspect that you put it in. The early church didn't have their own building. They attended synagogue, synagogue every week. And then they went from house to house. Home groups. How many groups? Raise your hand. Those are wonderful. Home groups where you get to meet in a smaller variety and you get to know people and they, you get to be able to open yourself up. And then you really get to go, you know, brother, Gio, I'm having some issues with some stuff. I didn't feel comfortable telling Pastor Todd because he's the pastor. But can you pray with me? I'm really having an issue with pornography. Can you help me? And the reason I use that is because you're a youth pastor. And that's our kids' biggest struggle now. Did I offend you? I ain't got there yet then. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to tell you, you we need to stand. It's a time in our, this is a time in our life to where we need to have a boldness that only comes from the Holy Ghost. A boldness that only comes through prayer. A boldness that only comes by opening God's Word other than Sunday and reading it. A boldness that sits there and says, I will not lose my family to you. I will not lose my kids. I will not lose my job. You will not rule my life. There's a time for you as a parent. You need to stand on, on before your kids and you need to declare over them good things, blessings, not you dumb. Look at your hair, man. Get a haircut. That's not what you do. You do what God did for you. No, you can't jump on the cross. Because that ain't your calling. But you can't reflect the cross. As we're walking, we should, nobody should see us. They should see Jesus. They should see the cross in us. They should see the cross through us. It ain't never about James. It ain't about me. It ain't about me trying to build a name. Pastor Todd not trying to build a name. Paul, Pastor Ethan, it's not about us building names as Hope Church Cleaver. It's about us saying, look at Jesus. Look what he did for you. Bring your problems. You don't have to be perfect to come to church here. Come. We want you to come in with an ACDC t-shirt on and a little hangover. Come in. We want you to come in looking like you straight off a crack, a crack binge. Come on in. Let us introduce you to somebody that can take that crack away from you. Let us introduce you to somebody that can cure your alcoholism. January 7th of 2007, I took my last drink. I was in the military. I was just going through a divorce. This is all BJ before Jesus. Yeah, I thought I'd throw that in there. I was playing Russian roulette. I had an old ball-headed, crusty first arm showed up in my apartment. Banged on the door at the right time. If I'd have pulled that trigger, the next round was next round chamber. It threw my head. He opened the door. Well, I opened the door, and he looked, and he seen a fifth Hennessy. He seen a picture of T, the revolver, and he says, 
what are you doing? He's a man of God. He'd been trying to witness to me. I didn't want to hear that junk. Get off me, man. I ain't trying to hear that voice. Nobody want to be down with Jesus now. I'm serious. I was in church before I joined the military. I ran into a bunch of people like we are, hypocrites sometimes. And I let that run me off. And I'm like, what? He's like, no, you're not doing this. So he took the weapon and we went and I got help. I used him to intervene in my situation. Never in a million years in 07 did I think I'd be standing here today doing this. I was done. You know, things in our life happen for a reason. If your faith get messy, it's going to be hard for God to use you. I'm a rancher, former rancher. I had sheep. I had goats. I had cows. I had chickens. I had turkeys. And animals were messy. Sheep are messy. Sheep are messy. There's a reason God used sheep and goats, and it wasn't, it wasn't a compliment. You have to be willing to get messy. You can't rely on just being in this building because it's not what we're called to do. We're not called to stay here. How many people die? We have a family member in the church here that's lost two relatives in the last three weeks. But you know the good thing about it? She what if they weren't? What if, you, if you've got a family member that isn't saved at whatever age? What if today was their last day on, on earth? And tomorrow they would spend eternity. Well, I hope, I hope, I hope they did the right thing. That's, we can't probably go stand before God and say that. God, you know, they should have seen how I was walking. They seen me carrying my Bible. I mean, really? Really? Tells it all, right? There's a quote, and it's very, it's very confrontational on who said it. It says, preach the gospel, preach it often, and if you must, use words. If you must, use words. Does, is your life a living Bible? Is my life a living Bible? No, it's not there yet. But praise the Lord, it's moving, and it's going. Forward, not backwards. You ain't got to be perfect. Church ain't supposed to be perfect. The early church, they borrowed public places. Wherever they could meet, they used any place to reach the lost. Do you know, you think it's hard talking to someone that's, let's say, a bouncer at a bar that's drunk? Do you think it's harder to lead him to Jesus? Or do you think it's harder back in the biblical times trying to lead a straight, stone-cold, hard Jewish person? That didn't, didn't believe in Jesus, thought Jesus was a heretic. Which one do you think would be harder? The Jewish one. You know why? Because we have the Holy Spirit that does all the work. Our job is just to be available. Results ain't up to us. We're just to be available. God, you're walking down the street and God says, go pray for that person in Walmart aisle four. And then you hear, Ding, clean up in aisle four. Go pray for them. You know what, guys? I left a point out last sermon. I'm sorry, but we ain't going to miss it this time. All right, point four, the final one. People matter more to God than sermons, training, discipleships, doctrine, or theology. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? 
People mattered more than sermons, training, discipleship, doctrine. Jesus had just drew the most religious group of spiritual leaderships. They were ready for his teaching. Denominations, it's not about denominations. Sorry, it's not. While sermon, training, discipleship, doctrines, and theology are a tool that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to disciple people. <clears throat> that is not Jesus' primary goal. Primary goal is what? Reaching the lost. Jesus allowed these four men to interrupt his sermon and lower their friend down. You see here, discipleship had their spiritual leadership seminar interrupted. There's times when Jesus would take the disciples away, and then out of the clear blue sky, 5,000 people show up to me, hey, yo, what about that fish sandwich, Chick-fil-A, hello? What's up? You know, things get interrupted. All the spiritual growth of God's people seemed to be halted for the need of one. He stopped everything for one person. And at your, at your cross, at the foot of the cross, when you had your conversion experience, he stopped everything. He stopped everything. So if he'd stop it for you and me, can we not find time to stop and be a vessel? When we raise our hands and praise, it's like a vessel. God pours into us. And we come down and then we let what God's poured into us come out on other people. You start in house with your family. And then you start out. Something more important was taking place during this. The lost were being found and the spiritual arrogant students were being schooled. <clears throat> you see that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had questioned Jesus. How dare you? Who do you think you are? Little did it, Jehovah Jireh was in the house. Jehovah Rapha was in the house. God the healer was in the house. They, they were so blind by their education. Education is wonderful. I'm in an education course right now. It's wonderful, as long as Jesus is the center of it. They were blinded by the teachings that they couldn't see the Messiah was in their midst. The ones that should have been able to see that it, Jesus was the Messiah, that he checked the block on all the, uh, all the things that the, that the Old Testament said the Messiah would have to be, but they didn't. And they were being schooled. So Jesus says, so what's easy? Can I say to you, your sins are forgiven, or rise and walk? But so that you know that the Son of Man is here, and I have the power to forgive sins on earth, he says, rise and walk. Pick up your bed and go home. What's the significance in rising? He's calling you out. Why is he telling you to walk? Because that's the mission he has for you. Why is he telling you to pick your bed up? Because you're not staying in the same place that you were in. Going home is you take your blessing, your miracle, and you share. You share it with everybody. I messed up on this earlier. Technology and me just really don't work right now. So we're, we're working progress, right? The more I think about this scene and the evidence that transpired, the more I think it's... Whether we're praying for a lost person or a sick person, as we're praying, it's like we're lowering them down into the midst of Jesus. 
when you pray for somebody, when you lay your hands on somebody, when you're there and they're a, they're a believer in faith, the Bible says that where two or three are gathered, therefore I'm in the midst of. These are promises that, that God, because He's God and He's an honest God, these are promises that God keeps. He never breaks. He never breaks. Where two or three are gathered in my name, therefore I'm in the midst of. Whatever you ask, according to my will, therefore I will give. Now you can't go and ask, God, let me win the Powerball. That's not what that means. That's not what it means. So what does this mean for us? Are you like the paralyzed man? Have you found yourself spiritually paralyzed in your walk with Christ? It can happen. Well, I'm a believer. Yeah. You can be a believer and you can be paralyzed where you are, meaning you're stuck. Do you need to be delivered from that? Do you need to be set free? Do you need Jesus to work a miracle in your life? It's not always physical. My wife and I, excuse me, after I got saved, my wife and I, who drugged me to church, bothered me for like three months to go, and I refused to go for three months. We went, and after we rededicated our our home. We got to a point, because I didn't know any better, I'm a new Christian. I'm nothing different between me and a baby in a nursery than I was a big baby. And we were on the verge of being, have, getting a divorce. A couple we went to and talked to um, walked, us through that trend, walked us through that period that, that was real detrimental to us, that really helped us. It pulled us out of what we were about to do because I was like, hey, the first wife didn't make There's a process of learning. Jesus healed our marriage. Number two, do you need to be lowered down in front of Jesus? Do you need to find friends to help you get to Jesus? Your support group. If you're a teenager in school and you're hanging around with all the cool guys and they're slamming 40s and all that nice stuff and they're not going to church and they're not really positive on you, then they're not going to be able to help you with your walk with Christ. If you're an adult and you're at work, and there's no, you're the only believer. You're going to be in a part where you surround yourself with people that are like-minded, people that believe like you believe, and that you can talk to, and that are going to help you pray through stuff. The paralyzed man had friends with faith as strong as his, but and he was, but he was too sick to to lower himself down. You got to have friends that are willing to go to with you, that are willing to walk through nasty stuff with you, that are willing to sit there and go, you know what? You messed up, but I'm not, hey, we're here for you. We're going to pray you through this stuff. We're going to work. We're going to walk this journey with you. If you're a married couple, you find a couple, married, uh, a couple Christian married uh, people to walk with you if you're having family issues. The third one is, is there someone in your life that needs to be lowered down to Jesus? We all know somebody that doesn't know Christ. So that one's kind of a catch-22. We all have someone that we need to pray for. There's a reason why prayer is so paramount in the Bible. That's why Jesus would go away by himself and pray, recharge himself, get to know what the Father's saying. We have the Holy Spirit that guides us, comforts us, teaches us. Right there, it's literally that quick. He's there. All we have to do is turn around and go to him. We're, we're, we're bound and obligated 
to pray for those that are lost. In a moment, as the worship team comes back and our prayer team starts to take their place, we'll have some in the front and on the back. If you need prayer, now's the time to come. Come boldly. Come with faith. If you have somebody that needs Jesus, come in faith. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, come down. One of our prayer partners will love to pray pray for you. But as you go out this week, I want to leave you with one challenge. Find somebody that you can reach for Jesus. Each one, reach one. If each one of us will reach one person, bring somebody to Jesus, I mean to church. Sweet. Father God, we thank you, Lord. And Lord, we ask that as move forward this week, Lord, that we would hear and understand what your spirit would have for us to do. God, put those divine appointments in front of us to where we would be able to be quick to listen to what you want us to do and be able to be available also, God. And Lord, for those that are here now that are struggling, whether it be in their finance, whether it be in their marriage, whatever area of their life, God, we ask that you touch Father, as we begin to worship again, Lord, the Spirit would just come. Lead us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.